good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. I will do no harm. I always thought that if everybody sent everything they did or said through that lens before they did it, our world would change in a twinkling of an eye. Well, I'm going to start out by asking Rose to put up a diagram. I'm going to start out my talk today just to ask a simple question. Which of these boxes is different from all the others, and what color is it? <laughs> you can yell it out. Somebody, blue. Okay, see, it's not a trick question. It's blue. And then there's another photo I want to ask her to put up. And this particular photo is a picture of two young women from the Himba tribe. And the Himba tribe is an indigenous group of folks, uh, about 50,000 in Namibia, South Africa. And there's an interesting fact about that group. They don't have a word for the color blue. It's interesting that, you know, as I was looking this over, that they have various words for various degrees of green. I mean, and they showed a picture of what it looked like all the same color green. And there was one that was just slightly different. And they were able to pick it up in an instant. Well, I knew what it was, and I still couldn't tell the difference when I looked at it. Well, thank you, Rose, for presenting that photo. But here's the point. To start out this morning is that our language determines our experiences. You know, it says in the wisdom teachings in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, the 21st verse, that life and death is found in the power of the tongue. And that every word that we speak, we know that can either build us up or can tear things down. I think particularly this is true when we talk about words that we speak to ourselves. There were a couple friends that I grew up with. They were brothers. You know, they lived in the same household, uh, went to the same schools. They had the identical opportunities. And from what I can see, they grew up with uh, supportive parents. None was never, not favored over the other. Yet one of them went to become a very successful person in real estate business and was considered a model of his community. And the other brother, uh, not so much. He was going in and out of jail and was constantly getting into trouble. And 
He led a life in what we would conceive to be, perceived to be self-destructive. And I can't really say I knew what was going on in their own minds. We never really know. But both seemed to have their wits about themselves. There was nothing that was really wrong with either of them for what I could tell. And so I have to ask, what was the difference? Well, one apparent difference is that the words they used to describe themselves that came out of their own mouths. Because one was always describing himself in a very high way and affirming and speaking positive words about himself. And he had his own affirmation that he would say that I'm a real estate mogul and that's what he became. But the other brother always seemed to talk about how bad he was and you know, put himself down and he focused on the shortcomings, what was missing in his life. He seemed to always be a victim whenever something went wrong. And as a result, that became his experience. You know, the, the Bible has some words in there that are sometimes important to take in. And I don't take it all in as a uh, literal historical document, but you know, I decided I was going to probably do a metaphysical Bible class for like, you know, in, the, in a few months. But there's a statement in Matthew that says, every idle word that we speak shall be accounted for in the day of judgment. And of course, when we talk about judgment, we're not referring to something in the distant future or some far off place. It's referring to the fact that judgment or the consequences of our life are set in motion by the words we use right here and right now. Our words have power. Our words, they matter. And I think when we change the words we use to describe ourselves we can begin to reset the direction of our life because words influence our actions and over time, our actions create our life experiences. Now, not, fortunately, not every word that we speak leads to the action that we you know, have or the experience that we have in life, but ones that we repeat over and over and over and over again begin to create a pattern. But here's the thing we want to understand. When we know the truth of who we are, we understand that God did not make junk, as I like to say. God did not make mistakes. God did not actually create anything. And who and what we really are is the absolute expression of this presence. We want our words then to reflect and to reaffirm that truth of who we are. You know, when I was, uh, uh, I was mentioned earlier that, you know, my son now who's taller than I am, but I remember when he was like a lot shorter than me. And he was going to school, and my wife would take him to school every day, most days every day. And she would ask him this question. It's like, who are you? And she had him repeat over and over again, I'm a child of God, and everything is possible for me. I'm having a great day. And do that day in and day out and day in and day out. And then every once in a while, I would take him to school. And before I let him out, he would say, do you have a question for me? <laughs> And I had to remember to ask him the question so he could affirm who he was and what he was about. But I know she knew that the words that we say to ourselves about ourselves matter. All through the day, the power of I am is working. And sometimes I would say we make a mistake and maybe out of our mouths tumbles words like, oh, I'm so clumsy. And we may look in the mirror and may sometimes I do that, look in the mirror and say that, you know, as I mature in this lifetime, oh, I'm getting old. 
And we may see somebody that uh, is maybe seemingly more talented and, and we may whisper under our breath, oh, we don't want to say, oh, I'm just average. If we get caught in traffic, we don't want to say grumpily, oh, I'm so unlucky. Because many times we wield the power of our words against ourselves and we don't realize how it's affecting our future. We want to understand that whatever follows the I am will eventually find us. So if we say, oh, I'm so clumsy, clumsy will come looking for you. If we say, I'm just getting up there in age, oh, the wrinkles start looking for you. If they say, oh, you know, I'm a little bit overweight, oh, the calories come and track you down. It is though we're inviting them in our life. Because whatever we follow with I am, we're handing out an invitation. It's opening the door. It's giving it permission to be in our life. So sometimes we want to run through uh, as big a list as we can come up with of all the things that we're using to describe and define ourselves. And when we do, we want to realize we want our imagination to be like an angel of God, an angel on our shoulder, and shift our I am not or I am hoping to I am. You and I want to follow that I am to be in tune with our highest expression of who we are, which is a spirit of the expression of God, which is the divine in you and me. It is that Christ in you and me that is called the hope of glory. We want to affirm that over and over and over and over again until it becomes who and what we are. is running through our veins, is running through our consciousness, is the energetic that we carry. In fact, you can affirm with me if you'd like. I am magnificent. I am, magnificent. I am resourceful. I am, resourceful. I am, creative. I am creative. I am beautiful. I am, I am peace. I am, peace. I am love. Understand, when you begin to say those words, it begins to stir up the cells in your very body temple. Something begins to change within you because the words we speak about ourselves matter. Not only the words that we speak about ourselves, but also the words we speak to others. They matter as well. They can influence the direction of a life, particularly a young life, a young life that's trying to find its way that's often very vulnerable. There's a young young man named Jamal, he had found school to be difficult for him. And he struggled to keep up with his classmates. He felt discouraged and he felt so alone. He felt like an outcast. And on one day, uh, Jamal's teacher called him up from class to talk to him and kind of looked him in the eye. And I thought she thought she probably thought she was being helpful. He said, Jamal, it doesn't seem like you're too bright. I don't see how you're going to keep up with your classmates unless you work harder. She was trying to get him to work harder. But the only thing that he heard was, oh, I'm not too smart. He didn't hear the other part about working harder and getting better. He heard he wasn't smart. He heard that he would never be that way. And so in his mind, it confirmed what he believed all along. And he was hearing it from a teacher, and it made it even seem more real to him. So it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. He continued to struggle. He continued to feel like he wanted to give up. And all he could hear in his head is that I'm dumb. There's nothing I can do about it. But then something happened. He, he got a new teacher one year. And that teacher saw something in him 
saw what he really was and saw what that first teacher may have missed. And she took the time to get to know him. He understood, she understood his struggles. And one day after class, the teacher spoke to Jamal and said, you know, I know school hasn't been easy for you. I got you. But I want to let you know I believe in you. You are a smart kid. And I know you can succeed if you put your mind to it. And if you don't believe it, just believe in my belief in you because I believe in you. And something lit up within him. No teacher had ever throughout his time had said anything like that to him before. And some hope stirred up within his heart. And of course, with his teacher's help, he worked harder. He worked smarter. She got, he got guidance from her. And before long, slowly but surely, he began to see progress. He worked harder and it paid off. His grades got better. His confidence rose. He began to believe that he could do anything he set his mind to, and he did great things. And he says he looks back over his life and the struggles that he had and realizes the power of that words, those words from that particular teacher, that supportive teacher made all the difference in overcoming the so-called negative words he had gotten before. But it also helped him go on to do even greater things because that was was ringing in his head. And that's what he began to believe. And I believe his story is a testament to the positive words and the impact they can have on other people and the trajectory of their lives. When we begin to surround ourselves with people who believe in us, with people who speak words that affirm that belief. There is nothing that we cannot do individually and as a community and as a world. Words have power. They have power when we speak to ourselves. They have power when we speak to and about other people. Words can even move a whole community of folks. You know, we've been having readings every week during the season of nonviolence to honor the work of Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King. And next week is, you know, the end of the season for nonviolence. But, you know, we want to keep that going no matter what we're doing. But each of those gentlemen use their words to inspire positive change in their communities and ultimately and even in our world. Just a little background about Mahatma Gandhi, as I think it was in 1930, based upon my research, India was still under British rule. And the people there were growing frustrated with their, their lack of freedom that they were experiencing. And Gandhi came along, and he was an advocate for nonviolent resistance to bring about change. And, and he saw an opportunity to make a, a powerful statement against you know, those who were in charge of, the, of their country. So he organized a march uh, along what they called the Arabian Sea back then. And he, he had his followers come along and what they did, they collected salt. If you know a little bit about that history, they, they, there's, they were under the salt tax and they were, there's a certain degree of oppression as a result of that. And they began to march along the sea and, and soon after he, he attracted like tens of thousands of people. And the authorities, they didn't like that at all because it was challenging them. And their response was done one of violence, and, and Gandhi was arrested. His, his followers, many of them, were arrested. And the march seemed to be a complete waste of energy and time. But while he was sitting in prison, in jail, he, he wrote a letter to the 
to, I guess you would call the, the ruler of the country. I think they called him the viceroy. And he listed his demands, you know, for the Indian independence and he called on the, the British to negotiate with him. And he, he wrote a letter that was so eloquent, so powerful, so transformative. And ultimately his words had an impact not only on the people around him who saw him as his leader, but also the fact that they saw him as one standing up for change, to fight for rights for others. But that letter began to circulate throughout the world and it got international attention and people around the world began to support his movement for independence. And ultimately, to make a long story short, they negotiated a change and uh, you know, the salt tax was abolished and a number of other things took place after that. This victory gave the folks there hope and showed them they could achieve their goals through that nonviolent resistance that he advocated. But the point is that our words matter. Our words have the ability to transform a mind. They matter in Martin Luther King's journey in the early 1960s in Birmingham, Alabama, that was deeply divided. It was a segregated city, and he and his leaders saw an opportunity to bring attention to the issue and organize a series of peaceful protests, organize a series of demonstrations. And of course, the authorities there, unlike, not unlike what happened in India, responded with not nonviolent ways. They used dogs and hoses to disperse the crowds as they were going forth to present their case. A number of people were injured, even a few people were killed, and Dr. King was arrested. He was placed in solitary confinement where he had time to reflect on the situation. And after deep reflection, he wrote his famous letter from the Birmingham jail. And he outlined the reasons for the civil rights movement during that time. And he explained why he believed it was necessary to engage in those nonviolent actions, that nonviolent resistance. And he spoke of his hope and he spoke of his vision of possibilities for the future and a belief that change was possible. There were some powerful words that he had written that circulated to many people and had a profound impact on the movement around that time and around the world. His letter was published in newspapers and magazines and was read by millions of people. His words galvanized support for that movement and showed people that change and transformation of a society was possible. And eventually, you know, that Birmingham situation was transformed and the authorities agreed to negotiate with him and his leaders. And changes were made to improve the lives of folks in that community. And his words helped inspire not only the people around him, but to help change and inspire people all over and still do to this day. The whole thing is that words matter. When they're divine words, they truly matter. They matter because our words create our worlds. The words we speak are like our songs of our life, the energy of our life. And our life is a direct relationship or correlation to the nature of the songs that we are singing. Or put another way, our life corresponds and shapes itself around that song, around those words. So we want to ask ourselves every day, what song am I singing about today? What does my song sound like? What words am I using? Are these words that are victorious? 
Are they positive? Are they looking us forward to love and peace and harmony and possibilities? Are we speaking a magnificent future for ourselves and for our world? Are we saying we want to create a whole new set of headlines and news that say peace breaks out? We want to have words that speak about generosity is the order of our day. And we are magnificent expressions of our creator. And we live from that understanding. And we live from the understanding, oh, there's no lack at all in this grand universe. And everyone can be taken care of. We want to speak those words. We want to protect our consciousness in that way. And we want to speak only those divinely inspired words, words that are life enhancing and protected. Of course, when we start doing that, we come to places that spiritual life center, you know, we may walk outside and, you know, we're feeling pretty good. Kumbaya, I'm uplifted and everything. And we suddenly start getting into the world and somebody comes up and starts whispering in our ear about how bad things are. And did you hear about such and such and so and so? Just some gossip going on. Contrary to popular belief, gossip is not a spiritual faculty. <laughs> but they want to lower your vibration. They want to lower into a dense way of seeing the world. But we don't have to get caught up in that undertow. When we hear those words, I don't know if you see the sign when you're driving and they have a line through a, uh, a, a turn signal that says no left turn. You have a cross over it. So when somebody starts talking like that, just in your mind, imagine yourself, you're putting a line through it. You hear them and you say, oh, cross that out. <laughs> your mind is zeroing in on that. They're saying these words that are just, you know, not really helpful, not life enhancing. You say, oh, cross it out. We don't have to get caught up in it. Our job is to kindle the fire within us through our affirmative prayer, through speaking our word that enhance life. We do not want to say what the surface mind is telling us all the time because oftentimes it comes from the static and the craziness of the world that is broadcasting. We don't want to speak that. So we don't want to say what we're hearing from that static. What we want to do is listen, get into that still, small voice, listen to that voice of the universe, the voice of God, the voice of the force that is always bringing us forward. In other words, don't move till you're moved by the Spirit. Do not speak till you're spoken through, till your feeling is such that you're participating in the good that God is, not anticipating God's good, but participating in God's good, which is everywhere present in its entirety at every point in space in time. It is omniactive, and we're raising ourselves to be one with this presence and participating in high vibe conversations because divine words matter. Peace out. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center. Transform.